0: This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for how you have started with us today. What a great worship time this morning. Lord, as we continue, we ask that, Lord, you speak to us. Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to us. Teach us by yourself in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So very quickly, uh, we started Rooted. Is there anybody here? You have missed one part of the series, just one. Part one, maybe you missed part one or part two. Okay, so... How many people have not attended any of the teaching? One? Oh, quite a few. Okay. So I, I realize, and I'm so sorry for this. Let me apologize ahead of time. I realize I don't know how to do summary of the previous teaching. I just find myself teaching, uh, preaching it all over again. So I will try and give you an abridged version. I'm going to try. Lord, help me so that we can get to today's topic. And uh, I believe uh, the, the Salmon Notes should be in our church app already. Uh, thank you. Uh, you can, if you don't have it, you can look on the App Store or Play Store uh, for RCCG SCSA. S, Salvation Center San Antonio SCSA. And you will be able to follow along in the <coughs> Salmon Notes. So part one, we started a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about being planted, and we took our example from the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, and we said God is the sower, the seed is the word of God, and the soil is our heart, and we found out that God is perfect in all his ways, God is perfect, his word is perfect. So the only variable in the equation is our heart. Praise the Lord. I we talked about the different kinds of hearts that we may have. We're not going to go into that. But I do want to say something to you today. Uh, I want to read to you a quote that is uh, credited to Konrad Adenauer. Uh, Konrad Adenauer is the first German chancellor after the World War. You know, and he said this, and it struck me the first time I read this many years ago. He said, we all live under the same sky, but we don't all have the same horizon. So we are all exposed to the same teaching, we have the same knowledge. Like yesterday, we were all exposed to the same thing. Uh, Nobody was giving secret information in private. We all experienced it together. But what will happen, the outcome of that is dependent on individuals. You know, whether it's sunset, sunrise, or dusk, everything just gloomy, It, it just depends on the individual. So it's important we know that. And last Sunday, we talked about grow or Growing. Growing. And uh, in growth, we said that um, <laughs> our growth is not dependent on human labor. God is the one that brings about the growth. And we reference, First uh, Peter, First Peter chapter 3, uh, you know, 5 and 6. Uh, we, we, we talked about Apollo and Paul. The Bible says Paul planted... The prop is in the way. Thank you, baby. Let's put our hands together for my wife. Without her, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> We're spicing it up. <laughs> so we said, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So I have to do my part, at least receive the word. Allow the word to be watered through my worship and my prayers and the things that I do in secret. And then God will cause it to grow and germinate. And we talked about God, for God, growing is not an option. You know, so since I have given my life to Christ, as it was in the beginning, so it is now. And so shall it be forever. God says no. That's not his expectation of us. He expects us to grow. God expects me to grow, and God expects you to grow. We read uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and the 18th verse, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, We should grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. That's the expectation of God of you and of myself. So we ought to grow. And uh, we looked at Colossians 2.7. We said, let your roots grow down into him. Let your roots grow indicates that there's something, a permission that I have to give for the word to take root in my heart. A lot of times, we resist the truth. You know? And therefore, the word cannot grow within us. Today, we're talking about Pruning. Somebody say pruning. Pruning. And I want to make sure we are all aligned, you know, have the same understanding. You know, sometimes you say a word, somebody is thinking A, the other person is thinking B. So let's align together on definition. Watch this. Pruning or to prune is defined as to trim by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. If you know anything about gardening, you will know this to be very true, you know. uh, When you trim your flower bed, you know, plants and things, you know, it begins to blossom all over again. Praise the Lord. And that's what the scripture is saying here. But before we continue, I feel strongly led to say a few words to us Uh, Is not a deviation. It's still part of it because understanding is very important. Amen? Understanding is very, very important. And for some reason, I think, I believe the church of God is still struggling with its identity. Who we are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Praise the Lord. Listen to this. To change your life, the first thing you must do is change your thinking. So, uh, we heard a lot about this yesterday uh, when Ben was speaking. When he came, you know, they told him, all. anyway, don't let's die. You know? <laughs> to change your life, you must change the way you think. And to change your thinking effectively, you must review your beliefs. Because there are certain beliefs that are rooted and grounded in you, and every decision you make, you are making through that prism. Prism of uh, I'm an immigrant. I have an accent. Nobody understands me. Half the time the people on my team, I'm struggling to understand. (laughs) But they're getting paid to do the job. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So If you don't change your belief system or review some of the things you have believed and see are these consistent with Christ in my life, you will continue believing a lie. I love the song the choir sang earlier, I'm no longer a slave to fear. How many of us are still worried about generational causes? They begin to raise prayer points. You have a generational curse and this and that. What happened to being a new man in Christ my Jesus? God. Second Corinthians chapter five oh. verse 17. Very simple. Oh Very simple. He said, "If any man be in Christ is a new, he's a new, new man. man, all things have passed away. A Two point. things to note there. Number one is, you are a new man. Yeah. You are a new man. Oh, yes, it is possible that in your family, there are generational curses. Amen? But now that you are born again, the Bible says you are a new man. My God. One that never existed before. Amen? It says, old things have passed away. So what's your problem? My God. Amen? All things have passed away. All things have become brand new. That is the word of the Lord concerning you. And watch this. Galatians chapter 3 and the 13th verse. Galatians chapter 3 and the 13th verse. The Bible says that curse, is a Christ has redeemed us from. Let me stop there. Christ has redeemed us from. Christ has redeemed us from. Why is somebody telling you that you are cursed and you believe it? You know, because of what we came out of, you can, take, you can take the man away from the village to get the village out of him. It's something else completely. You have to leave what you came out of. What you came out of is not a part of who you are now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Have you looked around? Look at the people that are successful, If you, however you define successful. Are they so spiritual? Only believe. <laughs> Only believe. And you go to this crusade. My wife used to tell me, you know, of a lady. She knew. They would say a man of God is coming to town. And it's coming to Houston. They will live like San Antonio, travel to Houston for special crusade for deliverance. If that was so great, why is it that there's another crusade in Dallas? And you are driving to Dallas again. And then there's another man of God. What is the problem? Where is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in my life? What's the place of Christ in my life? It says, all things have passed away, and everything concerning you is brand new. What we lack is knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. Knowledge. Half the people today that claim Christ don't know what it means to be a follower of Christ. We did a study of uh, Colossians, and we are now in Ephesians talking about who we are in Christ Jesus. If you know who you are, nobody will be able to harass you with... You know, one of the things that is really laughable, is laughable. You know, a lot of times, people tell you heart-wrenching stories. Story about something that happened. I mean, gut-wrenching, very emotional and captivating But what you forget to ask yourself, which part of scripture does this relate to? Good story. Good story of something that really happened. They are not lying. But they are telling that story to make you feel a certain kind of way. And you feel that certain kind of way and forget totally who you are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Lord will help us. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them, change your thinking. thinking. Review your beliefs. beliefs. In the name of Jesus. Let's jump to John chapter 15 from verses 1 through 5. John 15, 1 through 5. That was just extra. Somebody say Jara. Jara. (laughs) That was F-O-C. Free of charge. You know. I am born again. I'm a child of God. How be it not perfect, I still have some struggles, I still have some challenges, but nonetheless, I'm a child of God. And because I am a child of God, I am special to God. Amen? When I see traces of my past, I need to address it and let it know, maybe you forgot. I'm born again now. This is who I am. In Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 15 from the first verse. says, I am the true grapevine. I'm reading from the NLT. And my father is a gardener. Very powerful statement Jesus is making here. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce everything even more fruit. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. It's conditional, isn't it? He said, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. Amen? Uh, and... Uh, remain in me and i will... For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. That is why I brought this. You know, uh, Theo and uh, Dominique were gracious enough a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. They came to my house and uh, we were doing some work in the garage, but they thought that my tree in front of my house, you know, had overgrown branches, and they yanked some of them off. This was yanked off. A branch that is separated from the vine will only shrivel, wither, and die. So without Christ, we are nothing. Without Christ, we cannot do anything. So he can fall and do whatever he likes to do now. He's done his job. Watch this. Watch this. He said, for a branch... Cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I want to give us a context here so that we understand the background from which Jesus is speaking. John chapter 12 was the last public ministry of Jesus before he was crucified. So from John 13, 14, 15, 16, he was admonishing his disciples. He knew the task that was coming ahead. He knew the challenges they were about to face, so he's pouring into them to strengthen them. He's pouring into them knowing that They, like us, or us like them, will have challenges. And the challenges vary. His background is the mother in the village, the old woman, the witch, and the witch doctor, and whatever else you want. He knew that when you give your life to Christ, when you surrender to Jesus, there will be challenges. So he was preparing them for what was to come. In John chapter 13, for example, he was saying to them, he called out Judas and Peter. He said, Judas, he said, one of you is going to betray me, betray me. He didn't mention him by name, but uh, he gave hints for those that were paying attention. He said to Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Before the cock crows, three times you will have denied me. Amen. He's preparing them and subtly guiding them about what is to come. And by the time you get to chapter 14, he was saying to them, said, I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. I'm going to send you another comforter, the Paracletus, that will encourage you and strengthen you. And then by 15, he was saying to them, he said, everything that I've said to you, you have to know this, that you must remain in me and I in you for any of those things to be the case. So when I separate myself from Christ, you know, then th- th- there's a problem with that picture. So by John 15, he begins to strengthen them and encourage them on how to remain standing, steadfast, faithful, and unwavering in spite of all the challenges they will face. See, Jesus never promised a life without trials. You know, how many times have you been to church and they tell you, once you accept Jesus, all your problems are solved. Technically. Technically. But is there anybody here? No issues whatsoever. You know, you, you got it. You, 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 everything is just... No! Everybody has one thing or the other. They're dealing with... I have my own. You don't want to hear them. I'm serious. You will think, what? And you are this engaged still. Everybody has them. That's why by John 16, John 16, Jesus said to them, he said, in this world, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world for you. So, the fact that you have trials and tribulation does not mean you love God less. Oh, somebody didn't hear me. The fact that you are going through does not mean you are not prayerful enough. You think it's your prayer that is sustaining you, you better think again. I have learned by experience that like 90% of the things that happen in my life that I hang on to and say God is good. I didn't pray about it. Did I pray for my salvation? Let's start from there. I didn't even pray to be a pastor. In fact, I prayed against. <laughs> when, I, when I left Nigeria, it was, the experience was one of escape. I am gone. 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 So I was just behaving. I was going to places where nobody, <laughs> you know. said in the foreign land. You can be any name you like. That's what I was doing. But let's come back now. Pray for me. Pray for me. Very quickly, I want to talk about four things that I want you to keep in mind based on the text that is before us today. Number one, in verse one, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Two important information we have here. That the vine, can you pull up that image? The vine is Jesus. You know, and because it is Bible English, you're thinking vine. What is vine? The vine is the stem. This, sanctuary keepers, I'm sorry. (laughs) The dry leaves are falling off. This is the branch. This is not the stem. This is not the trunk. This was taken away from the stem. Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the stem. If you are removed from me, nourishment is removed from you. Support is removed from that branch. Any branch that is not connected to the vine will shrivel up, dry up, wither, and die. I don't care if you plant this is already dead. You hear that? It's dead. There's no life in it. This is what happens to someone that says, I got this. I don't need Jesus. I can I can take care of myself. So, Christ is the vine and we the believers, we are the branches. What does this mean? It means there is no life apart from Christ. There is no life apart from Christ. All the nutrients, everything from the roots, they come through the vine, through the stem, to get to the branches. And isn't it comforting to know that the gardener is the almighty God himself? Amen? (laughs) Quick story. There was a guy that went to the barber shop. He sat down, you know, and uh, as the barber was getting ready to come give him a haircut. The barber is going. He found the clipper. He found the, the, the barber is blind. The guy was looking at him. And then with a the stick, he's trying to find it. The guy took off and... <laughs> Why would you subject yourself to a blind barber to cut your hair? Amen? That's a disaster that is waiting to happen. Amen. The same way, if you have an inexperienced gardener pruning the plant, they're going to kill it. But watch this the one that is pruning your life and my life is the Almighty God Himself, the one that is perfect in all His ways. The one that knows what is right and what is not right for our lives. If you believe it, I want you to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves you and I so much. He himself, he has taken the responsibility upon himself to shave off the excesses in our lives. If we will let him. The third point under that Jesus is the true vine is Jesus is the true vine. Watch this. The implication of true vine is there is a false vine. If it says, I am the true vine, it means there are false vines that you can attach yourself to. You can branch off the wrong tree. Psalm 20 Verse seven, Psalm twenty, verse seven says, "Some trust New uh, King James Version." It says, trust, "Some trust in chariots, others in horses." What is he saying? They are rooted in chariots. They are rooted in, in, in horses. He said, "But we." Oh, somebody say, "I." Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah! <laughs> All right. We must remain rooted in him. You know, can I tell you something this morning? A lot of times, you know, as this text said, the text said he's going to cut off dead branches. Yes? It's going to, unproductive branches will be broken and thrown away. But the pruning, if you have seen a plant that the tip of the whatever, branch is dead, it's like the plant is struggling to grow new branch. But he says, the gardener is an expert gardener and he knows how to trim off just the right stuff, just the dead part, without you losing anything of value. But do you know, sometimes, part of what is cut off are not bad things. It is not sin. In fact, there are things you love. But because it's weighing on you so much, it has become a distraction for you. God will take it out. God will take it out. And that's not the devil. Say, I bind the devil. It's too late. You can't bind God. The one that is at work that is taking it away, is the almighty God himself. And he's not doing it because he hates you, he's doing it because he what? Loves you. The Bible says, Romans eight twenty-eight, and we know, somebody say and we know. And we know. If you know, you say and I know. And I know. All, things. all things, some things, all things. a lot of things. All, things, all things work together for good to those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. He's working it out for you. And he's working it out for me. In the name of Jesus. Number two, which I've kind of talked about because of time, you know, there's a delicate art of elimination and cultivation. So the master gardener, the divine gardener of my life, he knows how to surgically, cut off certain things away from my life. You know, the, 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 the dead part that is sucking energy away from you, he will cut it off. Every branch that is not fruitful, if you go back to that diagram, you will see one branch is fruitful, another is not fruitful. The one that is unfruitful, you see, you see that? They are also sapping energy. They are taking up nutrients. It says the master will cut those things off. So every um, unfruitful work of darkness in my life and in your life, the master, gardener, he will cut them off. He will snip them off. But can I tell you something? It is painful. It is what? Painful. Painful. Like some people your confidence has grown so much in that job, then God took it. God took it. Why? Because alarm bells are ringing that I have better for you. I have greater for you. I have prepared a place for you, but you will not listen. So they tell you, don't come tomorrow. And for those of you that know my story, you know I'm talking to myself, right? (laughs) And a few other people here. Amen? Amen? Every time wasters in our lives, every energy-sucking nonsense in our lives, God will snip them off. In the name of Jesus. In some cases, it might be sin. And we need to be mindful of those that God will snip off. We'll just cut it off. Amen. The Bible says, for example, when you go to Colossians chapter 3, which we just concluded the study, it said, put to death the sinful earthly things locking within you. God wants to snip them off, but many of us are too attached to the past. So it's my soulmate. Who told you that? Lies from the pit of hell. Amen. My dream job, how can they take it away? Because that job has become a stem to you. Your job will pay you a wage or an income, but your source, my source, somebody say my source, source. is the almighty God. Heaven and earth may pass away. A job may pass away. But the word of God concerning me remain and abide forever. Amen. God is my sustenance. Yes. Amen. Not a job. Not a job. Not an employer. When you understand that, then your priority in life will not be getting any yes. job or any dream, whatever. Hallelujah. Number three. Watch this. Watch this. We're closing now. Less can be truly more for you. Less can be truly more for you. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 12 and the first verse. It said, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, let's read it together, let us strip off every weight, That slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set. Can I tell you, at the end of this race, there is glory. At the end of all of this, when I die... There's a glory that is much greater than anything on this side of eternity. Nothing is incomparable to anything that we know. That is why the first Sunday when, I, when they gave you that seed, because you don't know what it was about. Many of you lost the seed before the service was over. And I don't blame you. I probably would have lost it too if I were in your shoes. You know? If I didn't, they didn't let me in on the secret. I will know to keep it and guard it because they are going to use it to preach, you know. But because we didn't know the value, because we didn't know the value, there is great reward for those that will be raptured with Christ, whether in life or in death. There's a great reward. As you're running, have you ever seen any athlete? They are competing. This is competition competition and they have weights on their arm and their leg. When they are training, yes, because they want to increase their stamina when they are training. But when it comes to competition, they want to be as light as possible. There are weights that many of us are carrying that are weighing us down. The Bible says, come unto me, all of you that labor and are what? Heavy laden. Many of us are carrying load. Is that proper English? We are carrying load that is not our own. We are carrying weights. Amen. You're carrying stuff that you have no business worrying about. How many of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow? You can write step by step what's going to happen. I mean, you can you can guess. I will log in to work by 8 a.m. But some people have planned and they've set alarm to wake up 6 o'clock to pray. And they didn't wake up. They died. So because you cannot predict tomorrow, why don't you trust in the one that knows everything? Our scripture of the month, Isaiah 46, verse 10. He said, I, the Lord, am the one that knows what will happen in the future before it happens. I can tell it to you. Amen? And I can take care of you. He says, I do everything that I wish. They are too stingy with scripture. I don't know why. Everything I plan to come to pass, it will come to pass. Why don't you trust in that? We had an exercise this morning in Walker's meeting. You know? And the question was, if Elon Musk promises you a million dollars in your account by tomorrow morning, would you believe him? Of course, everybody said, yeah. I mean, the guy is worth like uh, 100,000 million. That's 100 billion. Yeah, you know, it was 1 million to him. Yeah, that's nothing. Everybody said, yes. Why? I trust him. I believe he has the capacity. Uh, do you believe God? Do I believe God? Do I believe in the word of God? He says, I have your back. I have your back. Less can be so much more. Some of us are carrying extra baggage. I'll tell you my story very quickly. And we just, I say the last one and we just pray. Many years ago, before I got married, you know, I was engaged to the young lady that God used to introduce me properly to Christ. You know, and we had been in a relationship for about four years. Somebody needs to hear this. We had been in a relationship about four years. I met, and of course, it's not, <laughs> it's not cool pastor so. I met her mom and we had plans to go meet with her dad things were moving really fast we're going to get married but it came to a point that i realized that both of us we were great christians individually but together we were bad the weight and the baggage that i carried was sin fornication and I realized that there would be no place for fornication between us because I was not fornicating with everybody. I was fornicating with her. So I figured it was because we had a relationship. So I determined. So we're going to break this relationship. And if the Lord wills, we're going to come back together. So we both agreed it was messy. It was messy. Very messy. But we separated. And from that point, her life took off and my life took off. Amen? Separate. There are some people that are in unholy alliances. Say, but I love him. The choice that I had to make was I had to choose between her and Christ. I had to choose. Some of you will think, oh, that's a no-brainer. Until you are in that situation. You know it's a huge brainer. Because I struggled, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I did. If I hadn't done that, I would not have met this wonderful woman of God that is my wife today. Stop holding on to unrighteousness. Stop holding on to sin. At the end, it's going to fail you. My God. And that's the truth. At the end, it's going to fail. Rise to your feet. Wow. An assurance that if you remain in me, I will remain in you no matter what. I will keep you, I will uphold you, and it will be well with you. That's what the, the Master is saying here. Say, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes! Somebody say yes. Yes. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, in Matthew 13, the 23rd verse, it said, And some produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. How much I embrace the truth and live and walk by the truth will determine how much fruit I produce. Bow your head and talk to the Lord. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.